Hello and welcome to Explore the Symphony. I'm your host, Marjolaine Fournier, Assistant Principal Bass with the National Arts Centre Orchestra. My guest, Jean-Jacques Van Vlasler, is one of Canada's foremost music journalists, credited with over 60 articles for Le Droit, The Globe and Mail, and CBC Radio-Canada. In this series, we discuss the inspiration, lives, and music of great composers. This season, we're studying music that changed music. Hello and welcome to Explore the Symphony. My name is Marjolaine Fournier and I'm sitting here with Jean-Jacques Van Vlasler and our subject today is La Mer by the French composer Debussy. An enormous floating subject. You know. A huge, huge subject, a huge subject that you can't really grab. What what amazes me the most about Debussy is that very young he had this style that you could recognize, but uh, as many of the composers we talked about, he didn't come from a musical family. No, not at all, no, not at all. But very soon, very soon, at ten years old, they find out that this man is this boy is is very musical. Send him to the conservatory, starts playing piano, and he will stay for many years at the, the conservatory. He will have the first the second prize of Rome. The first time he sends something, and the year afterwards he has a prize of Rome. Of course, he cannot stay there very long in Rome at that time because it was so conservative. I mean that that institution was so conservative, and he revolted against that. Um, well, we know the story of Berlioz, who ran away from, from it also. So th these people that had really avant-garde, and that is, you know, that Debussy is really avant-garde. He's a non-conformist. But he will learn so much at the conservatory from people like Faure also. And, and, but he will, um, he will essentially learn from his, from his cultural encounters cultural encounters in Russia, in Italy, and then, of course, in that extraordinary period, which is the passage of one century to another century, in which everything is changing. Everything is changing very quickly. You have the French Impressionists uh, in painting. You have, uh, you have for, uh, you know, the international exhibition that comes to Paris um, when he's about 27 years old, and, uh, in, in, in which brings the Orient towards, which is the listening 
to the new the, the kind of music that is coming from the Orient that is very much represented in that international. So Russia, where he goes up to three times, three times invited by the famous Madame von Meck, the, the, the lady who uh, for whom Tchaikovsky composed his fourth symphony, the Destiny Symphony, Madame von Meck invited him three times. He went three times to Russia. He's only 17 years old. But when he comes back from Russia, he, he, he finds out, uh, uh, he, he travels around Europe and, 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 and is very much involved in that world, in the literary world, you know, Materling, Proust, um, the poets of, of that period. And uh, he will be, there is a continuous uh, dialogue between all these people. And so he's a very rich, informed, rich, I mean, culturally rich, informed human being. You know, that's very strange to me in a way because you told me that he was autodidact. Very in, uh, well, the individual. learning of culture, the learning of culture is autodidact. That's what I meant. Yeah. So he goes to Russia during the years where, my goodness, when you're 17, 18, you soak everything in like mm -hmm. a sponge. You take mm -hmm. everything, everything mm -hmm. is worth everything, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And he. And it's very weird to me that he lived at the same time as Tchaikovsky, because my goodness, Tchaikovsky is very conventional if you compare the two. But the other thing is that... But, but, but may I throw in one little sure. thing? The, the Tchaikovsky has wonderful declining lines in his music. Debussy's music will be full of declining lines. You know, the falling of the of uh, Melisande's, Melisande's uh, oh, her ring, ring the, the falling of her hair, the falling of the rain, the waves that crash, the, the cathedral engloutie, the cathedral, submerged cathedral, Very it's all true. going down. Not everything is, you know, there are up, uh, lines that go up in his music, but you know, it's a very, very downwards, uh, downward. So you're saying, I was going to say, descending lines. I was going to say, you don't hear much Russian in his music, but you're saying, ah, well, because <laughs> that's first degree, but second degree, of course, he was. Uh, there was a light there, and 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 a bit later he will be he will, he will get thanks to uh, Camille Saint Saëns uh, in uh, contact with a Saint Saëns comes back from Russia with a score by uh, uh, Modest Mussorgsky, uh, Boris Godunov, and when he sees that score, you know, and uh, um, uh, and the theory of of course Mussorgsky is essential also to the uh, musical theory of Debussy, that is, we describe the truth. Truth, eye to eye. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and we, uh, we describe the real things, concrete things, concrete moods for, for, for uh, Debussy when he's in his opera, uh, concrete, but concrete uh, elements, stones, uh, clouds, rain, sunrise, rays that warm you up <laughs> in the morning, um, and the waves of the sea. You spoke of opera a little bit here. Mm -hmm. And I understand that Debussy was also, like many composers, mm -hmm. who were struck and shocked and inspired by uh, Wagner. 
Yes, absolutely. He got the first time he goes to to Bayreuth, uh, he comes back and he says, "Je, je suis follement Wagnerian, uh, extravagantly Wagnerian." You know, uh, I, I must say that anybody who goes to Bayreuth, you know, one gets out of there and one is transformed. Even today, even today, it is it has such. The music of Wagner in Bayreuth has such an extraordinary impact on human sensitivity <laughs> that uh, nobody gets out of Bayreuth the way they got into Bayreuth. Mm -hmm. and, and so, I, honestly, honestly, and all these composers went to 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 Bayreuth in the in the uh, for the premieres. Of, uh, I think he went, if I'm not mistaken, he heard two operas. I think he heard Tristan and Isolde, and I heard, and he heard the Parsifal. But he was irritated a little bit by Wagner because he was always so pounding, pounding the well, same yes, sure. thing all over. So sure. what did he get from He's not going to imitate Wagner, right. but there are elements that in some of his works that will come back in his work. He's not a, he's not a Wagnerian. Uh -huh. uh, he's, in his music, he's not Wagnerian, but he discovers that this man has so much to say, although his writing is not going to be. His, his writing is going to be post-Wagnerian. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be Wagnerian. So here is this fellow with his completely different way. Well, for example, his way of writing, and he's going to argue about this with his teachers, with uh, Frank and with his harmony teacher. You know, as I discovered Debussy and uh, his his orchestral music, uh, La Mer and, and um, uh, the Nocturnes, I was learning in harmony class that you never, ever, ever compose something with uh, fifths, mm -hmm. consecutive fifths. Mm -hmm. And my goodness, because it sounds bad, and the proof was right there. Look, listen to this, boom, boom. It, it it's not mm -hmm. pleasant to the ear. And naturally, even pop musicians don't do it. But Debussy does it all the time by adding the right stuff around. It's like um, combining two weird ingredients, but adding the right spices. Now, how how did he come across this? And then this is his language. His harmonic um, enlargements as he calls it, his harmonic enlargement don't represent sound blocks, but uh, represent a movement towards the timbre, towards the colors, and that's what saves him. That's what that's what the transformation is about, also. So it, it the, the, the color timbre. Uh, will will take a very very important uh, place in uh, in in his music. It will take a, a, a what we call an archi architectonic <laughs> dimension. It will build the work. So uh, it is already a very big ingredient in La Mer, and it will be also a very big ingredient in uh, the in the other uh, uh, musical poem uh, Je uh, later on in his life. You see. Um, Contrary to Schoenberg, he's not trying to get rid of tonality, <laughs> but he lets, uh, there's no radical suspension of tonality, but he lets tonality um, move and lose its power over itself. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a wonderful, you know, he, but then what, but Debussy does not tell stories. That's another thing. He does not tell stories. 
he evokes stories. But evocation, evoking things, is nothing very vague. It's very precise. It's very concrete. And that's why he is, in fact, the first of the concrete musicians. You know, later, Varese will be one. And Varese is a post-Debussy person. I mean, uh, so is Messian. So is, for a certain number of reasons, uh, Pierre Boulez. And in Canada, for example, we had uh, this extraordinary musician uh, composer called Claude Vivier. Claude Vivier's architectonic color, the coloring of his music was, was very much coming from Debussy. So uh, did the composer Tremblay, Gilles Tremblay. Gilles Tremblay is, is in fact, uh, you know, there, there were so many elements in Gilles Tremblay's work that I think are very Debussyist. So it's a very interesting, very interesting move through history. This is where he, his music took us. But he was a very individual at his time. Absolutely. And he didn't want to, and we're going to talk about this, you know, La Mer, the Nocturne, and, and, uh, and his piano preludes are very much like this. In fact, didn't he put the titles of his preludes after the pieces to let people feel and, and hear the colors. So, so people should, should hear first. He said about chords, where do they come from? I'm quoting him now. Um, he said it in French, obviously. Where do they come from? Where do they go? Do we have to know? Listen. That suffices, he says. So it is listening. It's the sound that is important. Uh, it's not the graphic elements of music that are important. He said it's the sound that is important. That is a very important element in the beginning of the 20th century. You know, Janacek will do the same thing in a way in his operas. And he will do the same way, the same thing. He will listen to the language of the poet Maurice Materling. He will listen to that language. And from the language on, he will build uh, the musical structure the rhythm of the language, and, and then, of course, what he wants to express, which goes beyond that language, for Pelias et Melisande. So, um, he is, you know, he will express movement, but he will express immobility <laughs> at the same time. I'm, I'm preparing, in fact, La Mer here, in a, in a way. You know, it, 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 the velocity of his music is not necessarily temporal progress, development. It is something that is, <laughs> you know. He is uh, the, the musician of the immediate. But then you have all kinds of people at that time that were also writers of the immediate, authors of the immediate. Tolstoy was uh, the novelist of the immediate. And so we have um, we have this this 
presentation, this transformation of music, enlarged harmonies, chords that one has to listen to, uh, a tonality that is 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 moving out of its power. <laughs> it's and very refined rhythmic flexibility also, extraordinary. You know, Jean-Jacques, I'm trying to put myself in the, the body of somebody who has never heard Debussy, because it can happen, you, you sure. just, or you've heard it, you don't know. Sure. But the words that you're using, you know, the shifting mm -hmm. colors and the little tiny rhythms, mm -hmm. and the, it's making me quite uncomfortable. It, it's you know in words you go oh is that can you listen you, when to this people, when people listen for the first time to la mer and people listen especially to jeu which follows up in which every every element every motive is a motive of transition nothing is not, not, nothing is in place anymore it just moves from one thing to another people didn't understand it people felt very uncomfortable uh, 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 the way you express it, but one should not be uncomfortable. You know, have La Mer, for example. Now let's let's go to this wonderful let's symphonic poem. Yes. Let's go to the sea, and, and uh, there are three movements. Three movements. One, one could say there is is a, is a very well structured symphony with an introduction, with a, a scherzo, and with a, a finale, uh, and a, a quite dramatic finale. But at the same time, this has nothing to do with uh, with a symphony anymore, where a composer says, you know, that's where I'm going. This is what I'm trying to tell. You know, this is what destiny has done to me. <laughs> you know, um, let's all be brothers. And this is, or this is Italy with some nice Italian uh, 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 sounds in it, or a tarantella, left or right. And it all has its place. But he is going to describe what what the sea is about the sea as an immemorial battle between the wind and the waves and so first movement is um, and i will quote it first in french because it's so nice in french de l'aube abidis sur la mer and it uh, and he uh, it is dawn uh, from dawn to noon on the sea Mind you, it's not the story of Dawn <laughs> to see, but it's it's simply the description of what Dawn is, and then the the the, the calm coming of the sun rays and what what it does to the sea and that relationship between sun rays and the sea. And the second movement is Jeu de Vague, which I could call the game of waves, wave games. I don't know. So the third one, Dialogue du vent et de la mer, the dialogue between the wind and the sea. And um, and of course in that in the, in that uh, in that work, he is going to uh, he's going to show us what what the description as such is, and description concrete description of the world, of the the sea. I am um, the first one is an immense, uh, and I like that word oceanic morning. You know, it's. It it goes much further than our. Uh, um, it go, there are no human beings anymore in that. Now, contrary to Vaughan Williams's Sea Symphony, in which there are poems and there 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 the the mariners and uh, the seamen and the people at the beach and whatever you know this. No, no, there's nothing anymore. Not the, the, it is the sea as such. 
you know, I can't call that that thing on sich in philosophy, and I do think it is the, the, the thing. Um, it's the, an inhuman, a non-human sea <laughs> that he's describing. And uh, then you have the second movement, which is um, a scherzo of um, bubbling, bubbling. <laughs> it's a bubbling scherzo, it doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's what we call a surplus, uh, or, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> It doesn't move, but it, it's just that, that kind of game, going backwards, falling back, coming forward. It's an extraordinary piece of music. And then the third one, of course, it's the, the blind and absurd anger of the elements, the, the tempest, you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of negative element without intentions. <laughs> You know, after the tempest is something that is, has, you know, we are we are gone, we're far away from the the the, the wrath of the gods. Of course, <laughs> nothing to do. It is simply that dialogue between the wind and the sea that makes the makes these extraordinary waves and makes these tempests, and then the, those disappear. And what have they done? Nothing. It's it's just there, and he succeeds in doing that. You're, you're just uh, reminding me that before our conversation last night and a few nights ago, I was reading and preparing for our, our visit together. Mm -hmm. And what I do usually is I play the piece we're going to talk about. And I, I, I played it over and over again. And of course, exactly like what you describe, I went from the this morning to noon mm -hmm. and then the waves and I do I do love to sit and just watch the water anywhere. And then the, the storminess, and then the, the water gets much darker. And, yes. and it's, no, it's a much more dramatic movement, by the way. Yeah. You're absolutely right, the last one. But movement. then you go back to the morning. And it's the same water, but it's, it's the same. It's beautiful, yet he wasn't an impressionist. That's puzzling to me. It, it, it depends on what, what definition you give to Impressionism. If you say that Impressionism was the description of the very, the very particular, peculiar of the of the colors and of the of the sounds of the of the of reality, then you're there. And in a way, uh, the Impressionists were like that too. We we have a we have a romantic idea of Impressionism, and and there is so much vagueness that goes with Impressionism. It's an impressionistic look on the world. How an impressionistic look is not a precise look. It's the contrary. Impressionism is extremely precise. So he didn't like to be called an Impressionist, but in a way, if I I read a definition of his <laughs> work, and it. It goes with what you're saying. Extreme precision in the representation of uh, ephemeral mm -hmm. of the future and of the uncapturable. Yes. So, it, and what he does, and that is his genius, and it, he is a remarkable, he's a top-level composer in the history of, 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 of classical music. And that moment... It's poetry. It's poetry of the instant. But it's that poetry of the instant is also poetry of the flight. That, that instant just goes, goes away. So you, you can't really, 
it's the flight of poetry of the moment. <laughs> so the wave is there, it begins, yes. it ends, it's gone, it's, it's gone, beautiful. It's just, just disappeared again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and that appearance, disappearance, appearance, disappearance, that continuous unresolving and resolving is part of that music. You're making me think that, uh, in a way, this impressionist stuff, and I was thinking of the cathedral, you know that painting? Cathed uh, yeah. The, the Cathedral de, de Reims with the different times of day. That's right. But this impressionist Monet. stuff the, the, is very the, the, grounding the in a way mm -hmm. because you realize that what is important is not the thing, but what you mm -hmm. feel with the thing, right. what the thing is yeah. to you. And like the Cathedral. The Cathedral of Rouen. It's the Cathedral of Rouen by Monet, yes. Yeah. Okay, the, the, now it's a, there's a couple of different sure. versions of this sure. in time. So I'm thinking exactly that this is a good example of Debussy's writing. Very close for the first movement. This is that 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 painting could be used as a visual counterpart. Hmm. And and his Cathedral Anglouti. I'm just thinking this is the way you describe not the thing, but the moment. And 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 the disappearance of it. So yeah. everything is disappearance, and you know. In, in Pérez et Mélisande, they're always going away, from the beginning to the end. Oh, they're always yes. going away. It's the most extraordinary disappearing act. It's, and it's beautiful and slow, eh? Yeah. Everything happens well, it, very... It, it, because it's very precise also. You know, there has been a period in, in movie making a few years ago in which uh, people followed the real time. So making coffee was making coffee I mean <laughs> in the movie and and you just don't jump from one uh, one um, let's say uh, functional image to another functional image no no there was a, you put the whole time in there well it is a little bit that I mean you That's know the, 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 the jeu de vague the number two the, the second movement is so much like so the motives that he's using become also are very are, are very small They're, these are these are not long melodies <laughs> and they become they will over the years and in jeu his last uh, uh, symphonic poem it will become even uh, they will become micro mm. motives and they really will be only transition anymore <laughs> I, now I'm, I'm thinking about melodies and I'm thinking, well, he wasn't a melodist, no, but look he at La Primizie d'un Fond and no, look no, at this. He, he made melodies he, on poems of that period. Yes, melodies. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we could talk forever about this, I think, but I have uh, a question for you. Um, now, I've listened to many versions of La Mer uh, and Debussy, American orchestras, European orchestras, and you know, I have to say that my favorite, and I'm not... I'm hoping I'm not a sh chauvinist in the pure sense of the word, but the L'OSM, uh, the MSO, and Charles Dutois, my goodness, I like that one. I must say, this is, this is an absolutely extraordinary, extraordinary performance by them. I have heard it many times, mm -hmm. and, uh, I, uh, and, it, and it is. I do think that, uh, that Dutois very, came very close to that absolute picture of of the of the movement of the of the sun of the sea of 
the wind, of the dialogue, of the wind and the sea through those instruments and, and the coloring, the coloring of the instruments, the precision he wanted from that orchestra and uh, uh, the orchestra which he brought to the top, top of the world for those 20 years. And it's strange that it's the music is so precise. It's yeah. so precise they're playing, and at the same time, I have some German orchestras that I will not name no, no. that play it mm -hmm. very precisely. And oh my God, it's static. And there's there's yeah. note after it's beautiful. It's perfect, but there's nothing. Their water is still. There's one orchestra now that does this very well. That is the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra. Does quite well what we call French Impressionist music because of their, their conductor who is a very uh, uh, Simon Rattle. Simon Rattle was a student of Pierre Boulez. Ha <laughs> ha! So for in conducting, at a given moment, and so he, brought, he brings to the Berlin Philharmonic, although it is much, let's say, there's much more meat to the sounds than in the in the uh, with the orchestra symphony de montreal but um he he, he gets that that internal movement and that it's not totally what dutois did but with dutois you get that poetry of the instant i understand in my in my reading that debussy this was the first piece he wasn't meant to be a conductor but this is the first piece he conducted mm -hmm. and I wonder how a sort of amateur conductor could have done, even if you're the composer, it must have been a horrible nightmare. Right. And, and it was not a great, great performance. Right. Mind you, when the premiere was given, it was done by another conductor. I forgot his name. Is it Daisy? No. It could have been, yes, yes, it could have been. And, and you know, and it was not well done. Oh, and then he took over, I think, a second performance. And But eh, one has to have, at the same time, an absolute technician and somebody who understands this kind of music, who understands these, the, the extraordinary appearance and disappearance of colors. And who has to understand what the beast, the orchestra is, what, how that works. That's a, another, and what is interesting now, and again, we could talk for hours about just this, you know, how one orchestra does under a different baton. Mm -hmm. Now we have something exciting coming up, and it's the, the when we will hear La Mer in Ottawa, at any rate, uh, this spring, is with uh, L'Orchestre Symphonique de Montréal, but under the new director. Yeah, Kent Nagano, yes. And we'll see now uh, what's going to, because mm -hmm. many of the elements of the orchestra are the same. And, and, and something I want to say here is, yes, absolutely. And many of the players are the same, and so there will be a kind of history there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nagano, who has worked also very often with uh, Pierre Boulez, uh, so it, it is a very interesting thing. I mean, um, Boulez conducts this work very well also. He understands very clearly what, uh, what, what it implies, although he has less of the poetry that came out of the Montreal Symphony Orchestra when he conducts a certain number of his orchestras. And, but Nagano has worked, uh, has worked with him and so I, it, it will be very interesting. One of the things I want to say also about that is that La Mer has, uh, has nothing Mediterranean. This is the, the Grey Sea, this is the Atlantic, this is the, what they call the North Sea. 
And uh, believe me, although he started doing his, uh, his first drafts of it in Burgundy, <laughs> not, not in front of the sea, um, in, in uh, 1903, he finished it in, uh, in Jersey, you know, the, the islands in, in, the, in the Channel Islands, Jersey, and in Dieppe, which is in Normandy. So in front of that part of the Channel and that part of the sea. So that he came closer. Interesting. He came closer to the sea. And again, you know, and all this is cultural history. Uh, one should know that most of the Impressionist painters were painters that had been influenced uh, by the, the lights and the kind of Nordic lights of Normandy. It has very special, beautiful lights uh, in, in, in that countryside, French countryside. So he went for that second part, well, to finish the work, to, to, to Jersey and to Dieppe and finished it in, in uh, 1905. So it's uh, only 100 years old. So. Well, as, as daunting as it sounds in words, to the ear, it's not, charming is a wrong word. Yeah. It's, it's something that will fill you up, for sure. And it's, and it's uh, musical poetry. Yes. Oh, yes. It's musical poetry. It's another world. It's, 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 it, it, it's the best thing next to sitting in front of the sea and watching the sea. And in fact, I can never listen to this just once. It, it's, no, no. It, it, when the music stops, no. I have to listen but to we, it again. And we have to listen to what, what Debussy said about it. He said, you know, uh, listen, listen, open your ears, and then you, will, then, you, then you will get, and you will learn to listen also. Jean-Jacques, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to talk to you. I'm looking forward to meeting you again. We, we shall. <laughs>
That's all for this edition of Explore the Symphony. Send your comments and questions to nacpodcasts at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Check out our sister podcast, the NACOcast, with the NAC Orchestra's principal bassoon, Christopher Millard. You can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nacpodcast.ca or searching for NACCNA in the iTunes Music Store. Musical excerpts provided by Naxos of Canada. So until next time, this is Marjolaine Fournier saying thank you and goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.